How should we react when we suffer? How should we react when we suffer? Well, think of what suffering is. Suffering is when you lose something that you're used to having or you don't have something that you wish you had, you suffer. Um, When you lose your health to sickness, you suffer. When you lose your peace in your marriage, you suffer. When you don't have enough money, you suffer. When you don't have a sense of well-being and you're in pain, you suffer. When you're emotionally distraught because of something or you're worried, you're suffering. So how should you react in the midst of your suffering? Some of us know what it is to lose our freedom, all right? We've suffered uh, some time in jail. You suffer, (laughs) amen? That's what it's like to suffer, It's when you lose something that you're used to having or you don't have something that you really need or wish you did have. And so I'm just going to recap real quick what we talked about last Sunday in Matthew 15, 21 and 22. And this one don't look up. Just just hear me out real quick. There's this lady who had a daughter who was demon-possessed. Do you remember this? She was demon-possessed. And she the, the lady described her condition as suffering terribly suffering terribly. And I want to ask you, do you think God wants you to have that kind of suffering in your life where the enemy is inside of you and controlling you and terrorizing you? Do you think God wants that? No, absolutely not. We, we discuss that as being a bad kind of suffering, a suffering that God doesn't want you to have, the suffering as a result of sin. God doesn't want you to have to suffer as a result of sin. I'm going to prove that out for you here in just a momentarily. But James 1.13, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted with evil, nor will he tempt anyone, nor can he tempt anyone. Now remember in the Bible that when the word temptation is used, it's also referring, it's interchangeable with the word trial. And I'm not talking about a trial where you're in front of a judge. I'm talking about a trial a difficulty, a hardship that you're going through, all right? Temptation and trials are kind of uh, interchangeably used in many times whenever temptation is used in the, in the Bible. So we explored where, tem- where, where hard times come from, where difficulties come from, where suffering comes from, and it comes from the curse that's described in Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve sinned. They did wrong. They didn't do what God told them to do. And as a result, they received a curse. It wasn't so much God placing the curse. He, he warned them, if you do this, you're, gonna, you're, you're going to die. All right? And so, sure enough, in keeping with God's promise, they pushed the limits and they, they, a curse was placed. <laughs> Many people say, you know what, uh, you know, there's people out there placing curses on me. Praise God as a man or a woman of God, as a child of God, you don't have to worry about people placing curses on you. You just let that fall right off your shoulders. Amen. Even the whole silliness about generational curses. My goodness. Jesus broke the curse of sin. Do you want me to prove it to you? It's in Galatians 3.10. It says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Under a curse. Which curse? Well, the curse that resulted when Adam and Eve sinned. They're under a curse. It says, Therefore, uh, cursed is everyone who doesn't continue to do everything written in the, law, the book of the law. So if you're trying to earn your salvation by doing good works and not doing bad things. You're under a curse. That's what the Bible says. All right, But in verse 13... 
of Galatians 3, it says Jesus redeemed us from the curse. That means he rescued us from the curse. He took the curse away, so we're no longer under that curse. What is the curse? It's the suffering resulting from sin. He's taken away not only the sin, but we learn he's taken away the suffering caused by sin, i.e. the curse, and he became a curse for us because it is written, anyone who's uh, cursed is everyone who hangs on a pole or hung on the cross as Jesus did. So this whole thing about generational curses, let it, let it go away. You've been redeemed from the curse. You've been redeemed. So don't pay any attention to that stuff. You have been redeemed. You've been rescued. What does that look like? Well, we read in Acts 10, 38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Amen. He came and he said, you're suffering from sin. I'm going to rescue you from the suffering of sin. I'm going to redeem you. I've rescued. And so he went around, and here's the thing about Jesus. He didn't just say it's done. He showed us that it was done over and over and over throughout the New Testament. And now in our lives expressly, God continues to show us, you're not under the curse. You're not under the suffering of sin. I've freed you from the suffering of sin. Receive that from me. What should be our reaction to suffering? Say, "Uh uh-uh. Not that kind of suffering. I've been freed from that kind of suffering. Praise God. 1 John 3.8, we read this as well. It says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy all the works of the devil. Every work that the devil has going on. What does the devil want to see? He wants you to be terrorized. He wants you to be miserable. He wants you to suffer untold misery. But Jesus said, not, not in my house. Not with my children. No way. No way. And we need to stand up in that same power and authority and say, no way. I've been freed from the suffering of sin. I'm not going to accept this. So we find countless examples of this in Jesus' ministry. I read one of them to you in Matthew 9. I'll go ahead and read it again. Jesus steps out of the boat, crosses over, comes in, and there's this paralyzed man lying on a mat uh, with some people carrying him. Jesus sees these people's faith. He says to the man, take heart, son, your sons, your sins, your sons, your sins are forgiven. What did he do first? He redeems the man from his sin. He frees him. And, you know, many of us would say, well, I bet that man was saying, but I want to be healed. You know what? That man's heart jumped out of his chest when God Almighty said, I'm not counting your sins against you anymore, son. I love how he says, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. And I think of a Louisiana boy like Brother Jimmy. You know how people in the South say, son, son this, son that. You know what? That's how God speaks to us. Son, daughter, your sins are canceled. That man almost probably came out of his, his mat just for hearing those words. He was no longer under the curse of sin. But Jesus didn't stop there. He says, because some of the teachers of the law thought he was blaspheming, he said, why do you entertain these evil thoughts, guys? Which is easier for me to say your, sons, your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? He says, but so that you know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, he says to the paralyzed man, get up, 
take up your mat and walk. And see, Jesus took away the sin and he took away the suffering of sin simultaneously in one fell swoop. But he did it here for our purposes so we could see the twofold purpose of Jesus of taking that curse away, taking the sin away and taking the associated suffering as well. So we see in 1 Peter 17, if, if there's bad suffering that God never intended you to, to have to put up with, is there a good kind of suffering? Is all suffering the same, or is there a good kind of suffering and a bad kind of suffering? Well, we see in 1 Peter 3.17, it says, For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So we see here that there might possibly be an actual good kind of suffering, something that would improve us, something that would help us, something that would change us. And so the question here is, sin produces suffering. Does righteousness produce suffering? Does righteousness produce suffering? Well, last, uh, last week I gave one example. I'll give you another example today, though. Joseph. Joseph, a man of God, was serving in Potiphar's household, and Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. And he pushed her off and kept saying, no, 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 you're, you're, you're my master's wife. I'm not going to go to bed with you. I'm not going to sleep with you. And he kept, he kept pushing her off until finally uh, he ran away from her. She, she grabbed his cloak. You know what ha- happened for that righteous act? He was thrown into prison. Can righteousness produce suffering? Absolutely it can. If you make righteous decisions, you might, in fact, have to suffer a little bit for those. Is that good suffering? Is it good for you? Yes, it is. Praise God. Yes, it is. So we see in 1 Peter 2.19, and you can jot this one down, although I think it was in last week's reading. It says, for it is, it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering. In other words, Suffering for making a righteous decision because they are conscious of God. See, when you're conscious of God, the enemy doesn't like that. And he's going to pester you and he might come after you and you might suffer a little bit. Is it going to be okay? Yes, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through this. But now, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing something wrong and endure it? All right. If you do something wrong and you get in trouble for it, well, don't be happy about that. Just don't do it anymore. Change, change your approach. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, that's commendable before God. God is pleased. God is, God is thankful for you for standing up under your suffering and saying, you know what, my son, my daughter, you're doing a good job. I'm going to reward you for, for your righteous decisions. Verse 21, to this... You were called because Christ suffered to you, for you, leaving you as an example, leaving you an ex- example that you should follow in his steps. Guess what? In this life, if we're Christians, we will suffer in some form or fashion. All right? We're not going to get through this life all hunky-dory, everything working out all right, but I've still got good news for you. Don't worry about it, all right? But we will. I would be lying to you if I were to say you're going to have a perfect life. It's not going to happen. You're going to suffer for following Jesus. You're going to suffer. All right? So get ready. In fact, the Bible says, arm yourself with this attitude. Arm yourself with this attitude. Get geared up. Get ready. Tonight, in fact, I'm going to, I'm going to speak a, a message that says, 
it's time to fight right. <laughs> it's time to fight right. Arm yourself with this attitude of aggressiveness, of putting up with a little bit of pain in your life and saying, I'm going to move forward in Jesus, all right? But good suffering is accompanied with joy. Good suffering is accompanied with joy. There's many of examples of that in the Bible. Romans 8.18, though, it says, Consider our present sufferings not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Praise God. You know what? Suffer a little bit now. Much, much glory later. Much, much glory later. Does that mean we look for suffering? No, there's people that do that. That's dumb. Don't go looking for suffering. There's plenty that'll come your way just naturally. So don't, don't try to be a martyr. Don't try to go make something happen, all right? There'll be plenty of suffering that'll come your way. But when you're in the midst of it, say, God, praise God, I'm going to have glories waiting for me. Glories waiting. Even glory, you can glory in it in the midst of it. But here's some examples of good suffering that I shared with you quickly last, last Sunday. Um, you know what? If you decide, I'm going to get off drugs, I'm going to stop drinking, well, what happens? You go into withdrawals, right? Usually, that's what happens. Guess what? Withdrawals is a, is a good kind of suffering. This is a good kind of suffering. Or let's say that you, you know, the, the, the Bible tells us that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And let's say, you know, we're trying to shed some pounds. We're trying to be a little bit healthy. So we go on a diet and those hunger pains start coming, that desire for whatever cravings. And you're, you're, you're suffering a little bit. That's good kind of suffering. Embrace it. Say, I like this. This is good kind of suffering. This is doing me some good because I'm making some righteous decisions in my life. Or the loneliness that you might have. If you say you have a toxic relationship, you need to break that relationship off with somebody. And the resulting loneliness that comes with that, that's good kind of suffering. It's temporary. You'll get past it but embrace that suffering or, or the temporary poverty that you might have after cutting off a source of income that's coming from the wrong place, all right? Let's say you're dealing drugs and you say, you know what, I got to stop this, all right? If you got a job, don't quit your job and say, oh, no, this, I'm ple- God's pleased. No, stick with your job. I'm talking about a bad source of income. You break that bad source of income off. You experience a little bit of poverty. That's good kind of suffering. All right, you're making righteous decisions or the boredom that you have from quitting a bad activity or habit of maybe bad entertainment or the sorrow that you have for a wrong decision. That's good kind of suffering or the stress of taking that first step of rebuilding a neglected relationship. Let's say you've, you, you've been estranged from a loved one and God says, go back and try to build that bridge with that loved one again. Well, there's stress involved when you do that. There's suffering involved when you do that. That's a good kind of suffering. Amen. Or losing something because you're outspoken about your faith in Jesus. Bless God. That's going to happen more and more. That's a good kind of suffering. Romans 5.3. This is, I think, where we kind of ended last, last Sunday. Romans 5.3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Glory in it. Praise God. Not only glory in the future, in the midst of suffering, there can be the glory of God in your life. The, 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 the hope of God. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And pers- perseverance produces character. And character, hope. Guess what? You can't have hope in your life until you've walked through some level of good kind of suffering. It produces ultimate hope. That hope does not put us to shame because God's love is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, 
There's good kind of suffering. Uh, and, and if suffering in your life is producing a good result, then it's a good kind of suffering. If the suffering that you're going through right now is making you a better person, then you can look at that suffering and say, hey, you know what? This turns out to be actually kind of good for me. This is a good form of suffering. If it builds my character, if it builds my faith, it must be good. (laughs) Praise God. Why does God not immediately heal us of sickness sometimes? He's building faith. He's building character. Why does, not, why does God not just always answer your prayers like that? He's building faith. He's building character. It's good for us to go through some of the things that we go through. It's good for us. It strengthens us. Psalms 119.71 said, I believe it was uh, David that said this, It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. It was good. Do you think basic camp or basic training is, is a walk in the park for these guys and gals that join the Marines, Navy, Army, you name it? It's not a work, walk in the park. There's intentional suffering built into that so that these men and women will learn what combat looks like. It prepares them. And God puts us through basic training. I'll never forget watching Kyle and I used to love to watch these kind of Navy SEAL documentaries. And uh, there was this one of uh, para, pararescue. It's an Air Force uh, Special Forces team, pretty small. But um, they were showing uh, the, the pararescue training, and it was in, insanely intense, brutal what they'd put. And one, one of the times they took one, because these pararescue guys, uh, you know, get pilots out of the ocean. So they're really intense on the uh, marine side of things. And they threw him into a pool. They took his oxygen away. They twisted him around so he'd be disoriented upside down, upside down, and then kept him under, I don't know how many minutes. Until, uh, the poor guy was, you know, about to die. And, and once I remember going through something, just intense stress, intense struggle, and saying, God, why are you doing this to me? God, don't you love me anymore? And he brought that picture to me. He said, I'm right here with you. We're in the pool. I've turned you upside down and around a couple of times. I'm getting you ready. So whatever you're going through right now, God's standing right there with you. And he's, he's letting you get turned upside down a little bit and stressed out. But you know, he's with you every step of the way. He's preparing us. I've learned from this scripture, Psalms 119.71, it is good to be afflicted because I learn. It's good for me to be afflicted because I learn. So suffering teaches me. And here's something else. Suffering has freed me. I look at every step of suffering that I've had, and I've had way less than other people and maybe way more than other people. I don't know. I'm probably somewhere in the middle or on the easy side of things. But I've had my share of sufferings, and I'm sure you have as well. And I can tell you this. Every step of suffering I've had has freed me from something. It's freed me from something. And I want to give you some examples. So I had this tyrant of a boss when I got out of college. Tyrant. I'm telling you, the toughest boss I've ever had for up until that point and ever since. And I remember one day, so this guy sent me out of town. I'd just gotten married, been married about a year, and uh, out to San, uh, San Jose, California, away from her, away from my comfort zone, away from my parents, and worked me to the bone seven days a week, just 
work, 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 work. Towards the end, the stress was getting so intense. I would go into the bathroom, look in the mirror and look at myself, bloodshot eyes, <laughs> and just sometimes just break down, cry, and just wash my face, go back, you know, it's like go jump in the deep end again. And, um, and uh, once this, this boss is so funny, he's actually, he's actually a nice guy. He was just a brute when it came to work. I mean, he was just so intense. And so I had stayed up all night long. I, I got up at six o'clock in the morning, worked all day, worked all night, and got to seven o'clock in the morning where he, he came in to review my work. We're on a tight, tight deadline. And his, I won't tell you what his name was, but he said, um, hey, how are you doing? You look a little tired. <laughs> he said, weren't those the clothes you were wearing yesterday? I see, I was up all night. He said, great. Can you, can you spare me just three more hours? <laughs> <laughs> so I did a, you know, 27 hour shift there. But you know what I learned from this? God freed me from something through that experience. And I'll tell you what he freed me. He freed me from a lack of self-confidence. Because after I got through that, and anybody who's experienced, you know, intense stress for a long period of time, you start realizing, I can do this, you know? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And maybe more than a self-confidence, I learned God confidence in that. But I found after that, I carried myself different. I walked around different. I talked to people differently. It just, it just did something. It broke something in me, and it freed me. It freed me. Um, I, uh, I remember, I've mentioned this before, just the misery of overspending my personal budget and doing bills and trying to figure out how we're going to make ends meet because of dumb decisions I made. You know what? It freed me from making stupid financial decisions. That was good for me, and it was years worth of experience and suffering that, that got me there, or the horror of watching my kids suffer. And if you've had kids, your kids suffer with all kinds of things, but to watch your child suffer is one of the most horrible experiences that a parent can have, right? Is to watch them suffer. But you know what it did for me? It, uh, watching them freed me to fight for them, you know? We, if you're one of these people, and I've been one of these people where you say, God, when is this ever going to be over? When is this going to be over? God's saying, shut up, get up, and fight. Stop being a wimp, and stop looking for the end of this, and start fighting right now every day of your life for those that you love. And it freed me to fight. Instead of just waiting for God, he's saying, get up and join me in this fight. It freed me to fight. Or the torment of a lie that I believed. And I've had many of these. You have too. A lie gets in your mind and you just believe it. And it's a tormenting thought and you just can't get rid of it. You know what? The, those tormenting lies, uh, it's, they freed me from the lies themselves. <laughs> the suffering that I went through freed me from the lie that I believed. And I finally began to believe the truth and the truth set me free, or, or the suffocating fear of loss. And I'm sure many of us have had this. We're fearful of losing something or someone. Fear, that suffocating fear. And you know what? That, that's freed me from fear itself. I am 90-some-odd percent free from fear now because of the suffering that I've gone through of the fear of loss or the torture of unforgiveness. Uh, that's torturous as well when you hate somebody so bad. And you can't forgive that person. I've had that. I bet you have as well. You hate them. And you go through the suffering of hatred until you reach the end and you are freed to love the way that Jesus loved. It's an incredible, incredible process that you go through. But look at this. Romans eight twenty eight. it says, I know that in all things, including suffering, 
God works it for the good of those that love him who have been called according to his purpose. God takes suffering and he makes it good for you. He brings something good out of it. And if you're a Christian, you've lived any length of time, you will agree with me. Suffering produces freedom. It produces freedom. Get through it. Get through it and, and you'll be free on the other side. But let me share with you something that my dad preached on a couple of weeks ago that just Bless me. It's been blessing me every day, every day, every day, every day. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And it's where, where we'll spend the next few minutes before we end up here. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And this one I'd like, if you have a Bible or phone, whatever, pull up this scripture and read it with me. And, and, and I'll just read it along as I read it. No temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind. No temptation. Remember temptation and trial, kind of the same thing. In fact, think about it. When you're being tempted, are you not as miserable as you possibly can be? Temptation produces incredible suffering, mental, emotional uh, suffering, especially if, if you fall into it, all right? But no temptation or no trial, no hardship, no suffering has overtaken you, but it is as common to mankind. Number one thought here is, what you're going through, you're not alone. You're not the only one. There's many, 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 many other people going through exactly the same thing that you're going through. And the devil tries to isolate you and make you feel you're the only one. You're in this by yourself. No one else has gone through this, all right? It says no temptation is overtaking, but it's common to everybody. Everybody, all right? Some people have their trials in this type and that type of trial, but there's groups of people that go through the same exact thing. It says, but God is faithful. And I woke up this morning. It was so neat. I was just kind of tired from yesterday, <laughs> laying there thinking I need to get up and prepare. Well, I was already prepared for this morning, but I like to spend some time praying on Sunday mornings before we get started here. And I was just laying there just enjoying God's presence. You know, you feel like you got to get pray, God, break through this morning, do something powerful. And God just said, here, just lay here and just think about this. All right. And here was the thought, the picture that I got. I've been, I'm leaning more and more on God. I mean, it's getting almost scary. <laughs> leaning so much on God that if he moves, I'm going to fall flat on my face. All right. I'm there's probably a part of me that's not leaning on God. I don't know what it is right now, but there probably is something. But I'm leaning more on God than I've ever leaned on him before in my whole life, all right? And, and I just got to thinking, God, if you're not real, <laughs> if you don't exist, if this were all a figment of my imagination, I'm going to fall flat on my face and I'm going to perish, all right? And, this, and it's not that I was having doubts or anything, Although I do. Do you ever have doubts about God? Okay, you're better than I am. I have doubts about God. It, it happens. I think it happens to the best of us, all right? Maybe someday I won't ever have a single solitary doubt about God. But I wasn't having a doubtful moment. I was just talking to God and saying, God, <laughs> if I'm putting all my weight on you. And it was so cool. The Lord said, I'm your rock. I'm your rock. You, I won't be shaken, and you're not going to be shaken either. The man who puts his trust in the Lord will not be shaken. The woman who puts her trust in the Lord will not be shaken. All right? And so it says here, God is faithful. He's a rock. 
He's not going to move, all right? We're the only people that move. I remember once I, I get all freaked out. You hear some bad news or somebody tells you something or whatever, and, and you start trembling like a leaf. <laughs> well, you know, what, what's going to happen? And God told me, I want you to stop trembling. You're on the rock. I'm not trembling. I don't want you to tremble either. No matter what people tell you, no matter what happens, you stand firm in me and you stop trembling and shaking like a leaf. Man, it, it, it really affected me. It says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He won't. He absolutely, positively is not going to allow you to be tested and tried and have a hardship that's beyond your capability to bear up under. He's not going to. The devil will tell you, but it doesn't matter. He is not going to do it. He's faithful. He promises he won't do it. When the enemy comes in like a flood, what does the Bible say? He will lift up a standard, a standard, a wall to, to protect you from whatever is coming in at you. He says, he will not tempt you beyond what you, will, what you can bear. But when you are tempted, not if, <laughs> when, when you are tempted, he will provide a way out. And the King James says a way to escape, an escape route, a way out so that you can endure it or you can bear up under it, meaning you can stand up under it and buck it off. <laughs> Knock it off of you. Throw it off of you. All right? The devil wants to crush you, but he comes and provides a way to escape so that you can stand up under it and throw it off of you. Isn't that powerful? That's what this is saying. And so... Every day of your suffering, I want you to picture right now, what, what level of suffering am I going through? Is it a, a family member? You know, as a parent, by the way, if I see my kids suffering, guess who's suffering just as bad as they are? Yeah? Or if you have a friend, a loved one, you see them suffer, you suffer with them. It's just this horrible umbilical cord that we seem to have to, to some folks, all right? So whatever suffering you're going through, even if it's seen someone else suffer, uh, God is wants to give you a daily escape, a daily escape from your suffering. Now, it might be there again tomorrow morning, but he'll give you another escape tomorrow morning and then another one and another one until the period of suffering is over because there is a finality when things quit and things get better. But as I mentioned, temptation is hardship, trial, difficulty, or suffering. Um, my dad said this in his, in his message. I'll never forget it. He said, uh, many of us say, God doesn't tempt you, but he allows you to be tempted. <laughs> and I've thought that my whole life. Yeah, God, you don't tempt me, but you sure do let it happen, God. And in doing so, you're pointing the finger at God and saying, you know, thumbing my nose at God. But here's what my dad said. He said, God doesn't tempt you, but he always provides an escape. Excuse me, I'm going to say it different. God doesn't tempt you, and he does provide a way to escape. He always provides a way to escape. So it's not that he allows it. He says, God, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you give you an escape route every day, every day, an escape route to get out from the stress and the pressure that comes with suffering. So uh, here's some escape routes that you can start using today. And these are in the readings. So that you can you can jot them down or look at your list here, but they're there. Second Timothy 1.8, and I believe it's on Tuesday that, that I have these written down. 
Here's some escape routes that God provides us every day. And through, by means of the, the, the Holy Spirit reminding us, if we listen to the Holy Spirit, we can know what our escape route is for the day. 2 Timothy 1.8, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our, about our Lord or of me as prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel. Join with me. Like, go into it. Enter into suffering. How? By the power of God. An escape route that God can give you every day is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's an escape route. The power of the Holy Spirit in the midst of suffering. So that's one. And as you read these this week, meditate on them. Think about them and let the Holy Spirit speak to you about them because he'll give you far more insight than I ever could. James 1, verses 2 through 5, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, another escape route in the midst of suffering is joy. Have you ever experienced joy in the midst of hardship? I have. It's God wants you. He says, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always and again. I say rejoice. Let joy be your escape route in the midst of suffering. Let joy. So it says, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, back in James 1, 2. Now verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Here's another escape route. Is waking up in the morning saying, okay, I'm facing my challenge again. I am going to persevere today. And getting that internal gutsiness, that strength that says I'm standing back up. Today's a new day. I'm going to get through this level of challenge that I have and persevere. So that's another escape route is that just gutsiness, internal fortitude that the Holy Spirit brings to you of strength. All right. You persevere. Verse four, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be what? Mature, complete, not lacking anything. All right. So another escape route is in the midst of your suffering, you're seeing yourself grow. You're saying, I'm not the little pansy, little wimpy person I was four months ago when all of this started. I see myself growing. I'm a stronger person than I used to be. I'm spiritually strong. I'm mentally strong. I'm emotionally strong. And that's an escape route in the midst of suffering. All right, not lacking anything. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, which by the way, wisdom is the Holy Spirit speaking to you so that you can hear what he's saying. And wisdom, he takes you and he pulls you 30,000 feet up away from where you're at and he gives you the big picture and the whole why, why, why. God, why do you do this? Why do you do that? You begin to understand it. Oh, I get it. All right, I see what's going on. And then he puts you right back where you were, but you've got perspective now. So in the midst of your suffering and escape route is wisdom is to say, oh, I get it. I see why I'm going through this. And it gives you the ability to push all the way through. Then in Romans 5, 3 through 5, not, not only so, but we glory in our sufferings. I've experienced some of this, not a lot of it, but in the midst of suffering, experiencing God's glory. I'll never forget, there's a brother Jimmy probably remembers this guy, Ebok. Do you remember brother Ebok? All right, this guy from Nigeria, intense suffering. Renal failure, kidney failure, family problems, I, I, legs amputated, I, neglect. I, I, I've never in my life personally encountered a person who suffered as much as this guy. And one day, Tina and I went into his hospital room, and years of it, went into his hospital room, standing there, 
And the glory of God showed up in the hospital room in a way I have never experienced it in my life. I sensed that Jesus himself was standing at the foot of the bed. And I looked at Brother Ebok's face, and his face was glowing. He could feel it too. His face was glowing as he felt his Lord and Savior standing there at the foot of the bed in the midst of suffering. The glory of God. Tina, came, Tina and I came out of that hospital room ecstatic, bubbling, bouncing off the walls because the glory of God had showed up in the midst of suffering. Unbelievable experience I'll never forget. Verse uh, 4 of Romans 5, it says, Perseverance produces character. All right, that's that inner strength, that, 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 that part of ourself that just can't be shaken anymore. Somebody can say something to us, it doesn't matter. I've got strong character, a, a framework inside of ourselves that just cannot be shaken. All right, hey, I'm in the midst of suffering and I see my character being built. That's, that's an escape route for the day. That's an escape route for the day. All right? It says, because God's love is being poured out in my heart. Let me tell you what I've, and this has happened. In the midst of suffering, the love of God. The love of God. I'm going to throw myself into the ocean of God's love. He's not going to forsake me. He'll never leave me. He loves me beyond all measure of love. All right? That's an escape route for the day. The love of God. And then 2 Corinthians 12, 7 and 9, here the, the Apostle Paul says he was given a thorn in the flesh. If you've been around any, any length of, of time in the church, you've heard of the thorn in the flesh. My wife, she was, we have some rose bushes. She got poked by a thorn. Very, very painful. Got infected. She ended up, we went to emergency room. This is a while back. Getting a thorn Poke, you know, poking yourself with a thorn is a very, it's very descriptive. And I picture Jesus with a th crown of thorns. I mean, we freak out with just a tiny prick. Those, that was pressed onto his forehead. And, and so here, the Apostle Paul has a thorn in his flesh. And he conscious, consciously asked God three times, God, would you take this suffering away from me? And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Our escape route in the midst of suffering is God's grace, God's favor. And where he says, look, yeah, you don't have this one thing, but I've given you 99 other things. That's my favor in your life, my blessing in your life. Look, you got family around you. You might be sick, but look at all the other blessings around you. You are highly favored in the midst of suffering. All right, don't worry, I'm almost done here, but let me read it to you again, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but will, with the temptation, provi provide an escape route, a way out that you might endure under it. Now let me just point to this endure under it, and we'll end with this in one quick story. When, you're, when you tell me I'll escape, I think I'll escape. I don't want to be under it anymore. You just told me I'm escaping, and yet you're saying I can bear up under it. That, I've thought, literally, that doesn't help me very much, Lord. <laughs> I want to escape it entirely. I don't want to be under it anymore. But um, this endure it, I looked it up in the original Greek and just some word studies on this. And it means, to endure it, means to be carried safely away from it. Means, so 
you're carried as a stream, as an undercurrent would take you and carry you safely away from it. It means literally to take the danger away from it. When you're suffering, what makes it suffering suffering is the thought of evil, is the thought of harm, right? But when you're in the midst of suffering and all of a sudden there's no more evil, there's no more danger, there's no more threat, all the suffering, suffering is easy to bear because you know the outcome is going to be okay. And you're like, all right, it's going to be okay. All right? That's what it means to endure under it. And it means to, whenever you get that hope inside of you, that means you're no longer crouched down. You stand up under it and you can literally throw it off because there's no more danger. There's no more evil associated with it. In Ephesians 6.13, it talks about this. And putting on the full armor of God, it says, when the day of evil comes, when the day of evil comes, that you may stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. So when it's talking about enduring, it's saying stand up like a tall, strong woman or man of God and say, you know what? It's not going to get me down anymore. It's not going to get me down anymore. The evil has been taken away. The, the danger has been taken away. I'm not worried about this anymore. It's still there, but I'm not worried about it anymore because God has taken care of me. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, the daily prayer we should pray, deliver me from evil. Take the danger away from my suffering. Take the evil away from my suffering so that I can stand up, God, so that I'm not crushed by it anymore. In Psalms 34, 19, it says, the righteous person may have many troubles, and that's literal evils. The righteous person may have many evils, but the Lord delivers him from them all. All right, so we pray in the midst of our suffering, God, take the danger and take the evil out of this so that I may stand up under this and throw it off of me. All right, Psalms 23, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear no danger. See, see how we need to be? He gives us an escape route so that we can stand up and the danger and the evil is thrown off. And so I'll end with this, with this example of Daniel in the lion's den. You know the story. Daniel prayed three times a day. He got into trouble. He was set up. All right, he got into trouble for it, uh, broke a law as a result of praying. He suffered for a righteous act, got thrown into the lion's den. The next morning, the, the king, who was really Daniel's friend, rushed down to the, the lion's den, and he asks in Daniel 6, he says, um, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you could serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And he was shocked when he heard Daniel's voice. Daniel answered, may the king live forever my God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lion, and they have not hurt me. Praise God. Was Daniel still in the lion's den? Yeah. But the lions couldn't open their mouths to hurt him. Praise God. Are you still lying there in a bed of sickness? Yes, but praise God. You know, healing is yours. The danger is gone. The evil is gone. Are you fighting in your marriage and things not going well? Praise God, that marriage may not get fixed right away, but the evil can be removed. The danger can be removed. And so in Isaiah 43, 1, it says, The Lord God who says, Who created you, Jacob, who formed you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have rescued you from this bad kind of suffering, the sin, this, uh, suffering associated with sin. I have called you by, by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, 
I will be with you. When you go through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You will walk through the fire and you will not be scorched. The flames will not set you ablaze. God wants to take the evil and the danger of your suffering away every single day. Every single day, every day, look for God's escape route and he will show it to you. And remember this in Acts 9.31, that the church went through a time of suffering, but in Acts 9.31 it said they enjoyed a time of peace and strengthening. There's an end to your time of suffering. There's an end to it. There's a beginning and God will put an end to it as well. But in the midst of it, these are some thoughts of how you can handle it. Amen. Let's pray.